Hello, my name is Craig Taylor Bryant, and these are the films I watched in January. So Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody is an informative, but also a little bit entertaining biopic. I don't think it stands up to the likes of Rocket Man. However, it's really hard, I think, to to meet the bar of Rocket Man and how it leaves people like inspired at the end of the film. It does seem to be a bit too much of a recurring theme, unfortunately, as well, with how a lot of these musical biopics are just kind of repetitive. And obviously a lot of musicians are going to go through the same struggles. You know, they've got to deal with making stuff they don't want to make for the sake of money. They've got to deal with the stresses of sometimes in being in toxic relationships. Those are similar beats that are both in Rocket Man and Whitney Houston and other musical biopics as well. Yeah, I do think that this film is still a great depiction of Whitney Houston, to my knowledge. I mean, I think it's still an entertaining film. It uses great music to do what it needs to do. As I said, it taught me quite a few things about Whitney Houston I didn't know because I didn't know anything. But as I said, I, d I think just think Elton John's biopic ended on a bit more of a positive and inspiring note, despite the drug abuse issues. I mean, this one sort of certainly tries to end on a positive note, but I don't think it was quite as impactful as how it was done in Rocket Man to inspire audiences. But I still think this one was pretty good, and it was it's certainly entertaining and it's a good watch, especially if you're a Whitney Houston fan. So I'd give this one a three and a half stars. Next up is a Sam Mendes film. So this is a guy who's known for the likes of 1917. He's known for the likes of American Beauty. Incredible, incredible filmmaker. But for me, this is a kind of another one of those style over substance situations. You can see how they're going back to basics and how they're trying to show their love of cinema by going back to sort of the indie style, I guess, without really being indie. Like, it kind of reminds me of Licorice Pizza. I'm not sure how many people have seen Licorice Pizza, but Licorice Pizza is like Paul Thomas Anderson's going back to basics film. It's like it's his indie film after his success. Empire of Light is kind of that as well. It's like it's, it's going back to what made these filmmakers fall in love with with film in the first place. This film does an okay job of doing that, but I think the problem is when you try to make a film solely just about cinema, that can be quite hard to make it like the sole focus of the film. And I think that's kind of prevalent in this because it tries to set this story in a certain time period where there's a lot of um a lot of tension, a lot of sort of well, a lot of racial tension, really, and Stephen's the target of it in this story. And I think it's the most, certainly the most powerful, the more powerful moments of this story. But I think in a way, it's kind of unfortunate that it deviates from that by focusing on two characters at the same time. I think if instead we focused on one or the other, it would have had that much more impact in how these characters need cinema to sort of like escape from the everyday. Yeah, I think it still stands alone as like a powerful film. And it does kind of articulate that, you know, these characters, one of them being Stephen experiences racism, another one being Hillary, who has psychological struggles and feels lonely. 
and how they both sort of find asylum in cinema. And I think that's quite beautiful. But again, it does kind of feel like because it's trying to explore the life of two different characters. I don't know. I think maybe if we just focused on Steve and Soli, this film could have been much more than it was. And at certain points, it did kind of feel like it was an excuse to show sex scenes, of which there's like three or four when I don't think they're necessary, really. So yeah, that's that's why I kind of gave this this film in particular three and a half stars, because it's 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 still paying tribute to cinema in a way, but it's kind of losing, I don't know, I guess losing its impact because of how it doesn't choose one character or another and focus on one person's struggles. So another film about the love of cinema that I watched was the Steven Spielberg biopic, The Fablemans. Now I'm really glad that, at least in my showing, there was a pre-screening video, I guess, where Steven Spielberg says that this film is a tribute to his family as well as cinema. And it's kind of thanking people for going out to the cinema to watch it. But it's really nice to have that kind of like from the filmmaker, this is what I'm trying to say kind of thing, because it knows exactly, it helps us know exactly what we're looking for in the film. And I think he does exactly what he says his goal with the film is. He, he pays tribute to his family. He, he pays tribute to cinema because basically the, the film opens to him as a kid and how his parents took him to the cinema when he was a child. And you know, as, as soon as he went to watch his first film in the cinema, it changed his life. He became obsessed with this train sequence in a film he was watching and wanted to see it again. He wanted to confront the fear he felt in the cinema. He wanted to recreate it. And it was such a wonderful, magical story, I think. I mean, in, in, in the childhood days, it has that kind of wonderful, magical nature. But as Stephen gets older, it's, or, or Sammy, as he's called in the film. I'm not sure if his name, if he changed his name when he got older or if he kind of changed it to, because he didn't like sort of referring to himself in the script or something. I don't know. But Sammy, I guess, when, when we see him when he's older, it's kind of more about him maturing, but realizing things about how his family is not perfect. He kind of learns that through the films he makes in a strange way. It's, it's, it's like it's the family drama, the family dynamic, I think, that helps him still find that escape in the films he's making. It still has a negative impact, you know? It's like his parents are the ones who believe in him. But when his faith in his family is shaken, that affects his love of filmmaking. It's just such a magical story, like even, as I said, in the younger years. But in a way, it's so, so prevalent to, to Sammy. I'm going to call him Sammy now. It's so prevalent to Sammy when he's going through all of these struggles, you know, in his school life as well. I didn't find myself like checking the time at all while I was watching it. If the, the time really started to fly by. I think my only regret with that story, with that film, was that I wanted more. And I actually, I actually checked the runtime just today, and it's two hours and thirty minutes long. And you know what? If if this film needed to be three hours long to, you know, give me more, I would have been happy to watch it for three hours. I did just do a quick Google, and it seems like the characters' names are sort of substitutes for. Steven Spielberg, so he did intentionally choose 
not to call the character Steven Spielberg, which is kind of a shame. I think throughout the film, I was waiting to have him choose his name Steven Spielberg because there were little bits and pieces like how in school he gets called names because his name sounds like Bagelman or something. And I was kind of waiting for him to sort of choose the name Steven Spielberg. But, you know, that didn't happen in the end. And as I kind of found out recently, just through research, he did intentionally choose different names for, you know, the people in his life, which is fair enough, I guess. But yeah, I just, the film kind of ends on this point where it's just like, oh my God, I want to see more of how he got to where he was. It was the build up to a setup for where we know him to be. And I don't know, maybe we'll see a sequel in the future. I'd certainly be happy to see one. But yeah, I I really enjoyed this film. And I think I would give it a four and a half stars. Because it was just, it was a really inspirational watch. And just seeing Steven Spielberg or, or Sammy go out and make these films, you know, he just went out and made them. It really is an inspiring story, especially for someone who wants to be a filmmaker like myself. It was just inspiring to see someone with such a love of cinema to just go out and do what he loves. You know, he didn't worry about the money or anything. He worked with what he had. He worked with his sisters. He worked with his family. And I just thought that was a wonderful story. Highly recommend it. Another film I watched in January is A Man Called Otto. Now, you find out it's a Tom Hanks film and you think the odds are this is going to be a pretty good film. And this is a pretty good film. It tries so hard to bring emotions out in you, sort of like Forrest Gump does, but also it doesn't quite succeed as well as Forrest Gump does, I don't think. Because I think Forrest Gump is kind of one of those stories that's so so obscure, but like stylistic in how it's obscure, sort of like a Tim Burton film in a way. There's sort of a strange, obscure style to it that just works and makes it stand out among other other stories and i think a man called otto is certainly an emotional journey and it's certainly a similar message about life is like a box of chocolates you never know what you're gonna get but it is sort of beat for beat a lot of things we've seen before to try and get emotion out of people as you find out across the story you find out little bits and details about otto and why he so desperately wants to kill himself and i suppose the difference is this film's trying to be a bit comedic in it and I didn't see it as a comedic story when I first watched it, but then the second watch I started to see, oh yeah, it's trying to get laughs out of people. But as if, if it just tried to stay as like an emotional drama, it might have been a bit more impactful as well. But it just, it sort of explores all of the tropes, you know, it explores the incidents with family life, the incidents with being closed off. It's like it's trying to throw all of these sort of difficult things that Otto's had to deal with that we've seen a lot of in other films. It's like it's throwing it all in there to try really hard to get an emotional reaction out of you. On the first watch, I didn't mind that. And on the second watch, I didn't mind that. But it does almost feel like it's throwing so many things in to fill our runtime. And like a lot of films, it could have served a lot better by being a little bit shorter. It could have served by being an hour and a half. Ultimately, I think it's a really sweet story about how things change in life. You know, his neighborhood's changed and just people in general have changed. And Otto's just kind of fed up with it. 
he's fed up with how things are changing. And he, and he sort of closed himself off from the world partially because of that. But yeah, I, I, I highly recommend A Man Called Otto. I think it's a very, a very emotionally driven film. And if you do want an emotional reaction out of the film, I'd highly recommend it. I gave it four stars. So I also watched Megan, another interesting story that I think is very good. I do think it's very good. And I think everything the doll in Megan is doing makes sense. And her motives to protect this little girl. Basically, she's a doll that's been built to look after this little girl after this little girl's been through the trauma of losing her parents. So everything the doll's doing when it starts to go a bit crazy makes perfect sense because when it's not given the proper safeguards, it will do anything to make sure this little girl is safe. My only issue with, with it was the film was toned down on its violence for the rating. And maybe it's because I'm in the UK and it's just kind of bothers me when, you know, filmmakers put in the extra effort to change the rating in the US, but the rating doesn't change in the UK despite that. <laughs> that just kind of bothers me. It reminds me of uh, Deadpool 2 when they re-released it because Deadpool 2 was re-released for charity. But it, you know, it, it, it almost had no point being redistributed and repackaged with less swear words and sort of less violence and things, well, toned down violence. It almost had no point doing that. And I mean, it's quite sad, really, because as I said, it was done for charity. But I don't know, that kind of thing frustrates me. And I also think when this story, when Megan is supposed to be about the dangers of AI and you're supposed to almost feel a bit unnerved, I think, by the dangers of AI. I think this film should have kept its core to really unnerve you and unsettle you about the dangers of AI. But hey ho, I still think it was a good film. It was still an enjoyable film. And so I'm going to give Megan a four stars. It was a very solid film. Next up, I watched The Whale. Now, The Whale is brilliant it's fantastic i just i can't i can't stress enough how just utter genius this film is it's just it uses literature so wonderfully like not only to show how caring the main character of charlie is but also how much he wants to be a mentor or idolized by somebody how he wants to be that kind of father figure that he wants to be that role model for somebody, which I think is kind of shown in how he's a teacher for like a university, like a literature teacher. I think it's all the more prevalent in how he tries so hard to make it up to his daughter, Ellie, about how he, he left her essentially because he realized the woman he married was not someone that he actually loved. Yeah, he, he fell in love with a man and, and ran off with him. There's so much that you learn about Charlie's life across the film that don't feel forced quite so, that certainly don't feel forced compared to a man called Otto. They feel like natural and they make perfect sense. They sort of interweave with each other perfectly and everything kind of adds up and makes more sense the more you learn. Um, it's kind of that way in a man called Otto, but like, in the whale, it just feels like it's 
I don't know, more subtle when it's not throwing everything at you to try and create a reaction. It's just trying to be this one thing. It's not trying to be tons of different things. It's a way into understanding how some people who are overweight use it as as an opening to to unwind, to release the the tension and the stress and the struggles and to deal with the struggles of their of everything they've gone through in their lives and how it's such a tough battle, especially when you don't have a reason to to keep going anymore. And Charlie's kind of in that situation really. It's so sad, but it's also a little bit hopeful towards the end. And it's just, it's so beautiful of a film that I'd be very surprised if it didn't break whoever watched it, you know, sort of broke them down to tears, essentially. And so that's why I give The Whale a five stars easily. Brendan Fraser is amazing as Charlie. And if you've seen Stranger Things, um, Sadie Sink is amazing as Ellie as well. So next up is a film that's controversial one because everyone kind of expects a lot from Damien Chazelle you know Whiplash was an incredible film and it was like a musical tribute and in a way I think a lot of people expect Babylon to be a cinema tribute and I think it kind of gets lost in whether it's actually being a cinema tribute or if it's more just trying to be realistic like for the introduction to the film it's really showing the the best bits of cinema you know it's trying to show how so much of cinema in the early days was sort of manufacturing emotion you know trying really hard to to be this that to be amazing to be beautiful to be eye-watering and then you have those brief moments where like margot robbie uh, sort of recreates those those moments where they really feel real where the actors are really giving it their role and producing this emotion has this perfect impact but then sort of it kind of turns into a bit of a a mafia film situation really where it kind of just goes downhill because of how everything changes like obviously it's very different in how it's trying to show how hollywood's changed like it's trying to show how sound changed everything in hollywood you know it it made it so much harder for people to to handle like little interruptions when they're sort of trying to do takes and things and people weren't used to needing to be silent when they're coming onto set and everything and it's just it's done in such a comedic and fun way that you certainly can't fault this film for doing that but in how it's showing the changing industry it's certainly not glorifying and it's not tributing to cinema and i think it's great in how it's doing that but it's like it's almost in a way at the very end trying to like a man called otto throw everything at the screen it's trying to show you so much of the like milestones and the achievements of cinema that it's just it's almost like it's trying to make up for everything that it's been saying about how cinema is changing in a negative way and i think if they just showed the basics you know showed the the achievements of cinema in um the wizard of oz and how that transitioned from black and white to color in such a like game-changing way and how avatar was such a game-changing film for technology like 
if those things were done subtly and then they just didn't throw everything at the screen at the end, it would have been so much more impactful. I still think it's a very entertaining film. I think it could be a little bit shorter, but it's, I don't know. It doesn't feel like three hours. I don't understand exactly why it's controversial, but I, I think it's a very entertaining watch. Four stars. So the last film that I did watch in January was Till. Till is such an emotional story, such a tragic story about a boy called Emmett Till who was tragically killed in a lynching by two police officers. And it's it's really a commentary on how we need to do more to prevent this from happening, like in the present day. It's it's clear that that's the message in how at the end of the film it's saying that the anti-lynching act was only enacted about a year or two ago, which is just it's just crazy. It's unbelievable to find that out. And this film really does try to hit home. And the mother, after she loses her boy, Emma Till, how she chooses an open casket because she wants to make everyone around her upset, but also angry, and to feel what she feels. It's just when they make you see everything that these police officers have done to Emmett, it really does make you want to fight like she's fighting. And so this film really does its purpose, really, of making you want to fight things like lynching and just to spread awareness in the most important way possible to make you angry and make you want to act. And so for that reason, I would give Till a four stars because it does exactly what it's, it's intending to do. And it's certainly impactful in how it does it. So these are the films that I watched in January. What films did you watch in January? And how did you feel about them? Did you watch one of any of the films that I mentioned? And what ratings did you give them? If you did, please let me know. Send me a tweet at Craig and his Mac on Twitter. <laughs>